0: welcome to Run the Table. I'm your host, Bryce Tinson. Obert, how are you doing today? I'm doing very good. Um,
1: I think, and we'll probably get into this on a later date, but the new Big Ten schedules got released, and it's promising. Very exciting. So,
0: I'm excited. Elated, even. Uh, It has nothing to do with this year, but okay, I like it. Yeah, it's current to how I'm doing today. Fair, I guess it I did ask you how you're doing today, so that is that is a little bit on me. Um, how does it feel to you be mortal this week in your picks, or last week?
1: Um, not good. I mean, you know, every week, I, I just want to go over 500. I don't want to light it up. Well, I would love to light it up every week, but it's not realistic, um, so... Three and three, it's average. It's you know just right down the 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 middle of the road, but um, it's not what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for right down the middle of the road. I'm looking for elite, fantastic, and that's not what I got. So whenever that's going to happen, um, I'm a little disappointed. But hey, I've had worse weeks. Three and three, all things considered, college football wise, really wasn't that bad.
0: Yeah, fair fair enough. Um, I went two and four in college football. Rough week for me. UCF. Really screwed me. Um, Over three and three. Mike also went three and three. So records on the season. I'm now twenty nine, twenty five and three. Just four games above five hundred. Obert is still uh, hot. Sixteen games up. Thirty five, nineteen and three. And Mike is twenty one, twenty five and three. Uh, he is below five hundred still, but. He leads the underdog, 10 points for him, 8 points for me, over 5 points. We each got at least a cover, over and Mike, got a win, so they were feeling good. Five games of college football, only three ranked matchups, so a little bit of a down week, but we found two other games uh, in there that we're going to explain to you a little bit why we picked them, um, but other than that, I mean, you know, the three ranked matchups. I think the ones we picked are fairly, you know, um reasonable. It's, I don't think we picked, you know, out of the way ones. I think we picked, you
1: know, the, the and there are matches I'm excited about.
0: You uh, know what I mean? The only one, and I'll just skip right into it, the only one I I don't doesn't really make a ton of sense in the like the grand scheme of college football is, is Syracuse Notre Dame. Yeah. It just it has no effect on really anything. I mean, I guess you could say Syracuse still could make the college football playoff. They would just need Clemson to lose <laughs> twice. Yeah. Um which I if you look at their schedule, isn't going to happen. Um, and then it was the other one that's not a ranked matchup was Michigan, Michigan State. Obvious reasons we picked that game. Um, the other one we talked about was Florida-Georgia because, you know, it is a rivalry. It is, you know, Georgia who who is the number, uh, are they number one still? Yep. Number one team in the country. Um but we thought it was too similar, like literally, like you could write it down to Michigan, Michigan State. I mean, you have a top four team vying for the college football playoff. The other team sucks. Twenty-two and a half for Georgia, uh, twenty-three for Michigan. It literally is the same game. And of course, we're going to pick the Michigan game. Come on, yeah, we're Michigan men.
1: And by the way, that game's on seven
0: thirty ABC. So it's not like we're going crazy here. I mean, what's the time. I'm, I'm CBS sure. three thirty? I was going to say, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's still in a slot. Okay, so let's get into it. Number game number one, a noon game. Very shocked that this was noon. Kind of. Big noon kickoff is going here. Number two, Ohio State. 15 and a half point favorites traveling to College uh, Park. Not college. Why did I say that? State College, uh, Pennsylvania. to Take on the number 13, Nittany Lions. Obert, what do you think about this game?
1: Uh, I like the Penn State Nittany Lions here. Um, number two at number 13, top 15 matchup. And, of course, Ohio State's going to be a huge favorite because Vegas loves Ohio State. Um, and, and that's true with any of the top four teams. They'll make them huge favorites for all of their games against teams that are kind of a cut below. And Penn State is a cut below. We saw that against Michigan. Um, it was an absolute bloodbath, 41-17, to and it really only could have been worse. Um, anybody who watched that game closely or carefully knows that game easily could have been 48-10. to uh, Penn State, though, comes back the next week at home against Minnesota, wide out. And absolutely steamrolls them. I think it was 45-17. Yes. Um, so 28-point win. And they dominated that game. Obviously, Minnesota had their backup quarterback in. But the big question was going to be, can Penn State stop Mo Ibrahim and that rushing attack? Couldn't stop it against uh, Michigan, who has one of the best rushing attacks the best. in the country. The best. I agree. Um, and so the question would be, could they stop Mo Ibrahim, one of the best running backs in the Big Ten? And they did. Um I I think that defense played fantastic. Uh I was really impressed with the secondary. I don't think Tanner Morgan's a great quarterback, so him being out didn't really have a I think, big, he's, I
0: think he's an above average quarterback for college football standards.
1: Um Power 5 I would say I would say slightly. I, at this point like ever since that one breakout 2019,
0: year 2019 baby Tanner Morgan season. He's just
1: been okay. Like below 60% completion percentage a couple of years. Yeah. Thrown a lot of picks. So I I don't think that had any real impact on the game. Um, I think Penn State was just a much better team as far as the Michigan game. I think they played poorly. I do. Um, I don't think that's controversial. Uh, That was probably their worst game of the year so far. But um, I think it was more of a testament to how good and dominant Michigan is. So Ohio State traveling to Penn State. I've been vocal about how I felt about Ohio State's performance against Iowa. I thought they played bad, and well, they won by 44 points. Doesn't that show how good Ohio State is? No, I think it shows how inept Iowa's offense was in that specific game. So um, I'm taking Penn State. I think 15 and a half points is too many. I think the secondary for Penn State provides a really good matchup against Ohio State's offense. We kind of saw it last year in the Ohio State-Penn State game. Penn State has the athletes. They have the athletes to match up. Sorry, I'm trying to – there we go. Uh, They have the athletes. It always bothers me when that's loose, But anyway, they have the athletes to match up with Ohio State um, like other teams don't. I think that's kind of the issues with Wisconsin, Iowa, teams like that when they go play Ohio State. They're tough enough. They just don't have the athletes. They don't have a Joey Porter Jr. Exactly. Penn State has the athletes, and they're tough enough. So it does provide a difficult matchup to Ohio State. It's like Ohio State going up against close, or uh, you know, like a Michigan's defense light, basically. And it's a bad matchup for them. Obviously, they're not as good as Michigan's defense, but it's a bad matchup. Um, I think they'll be able to stop Ohio State's passing passing attack, which is big. Um, Jackson Smith and Jigba is this right now. If he does play, it's not going to be very much. Yep. Obviously, pulled the hamstring. Um, and then offensively, as far as, well, what can Penn State do? I think uh, uh, it's 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 going to be tough. But I think the run game, we've seen Ohio State in the past. That's kind of been my, my big harp. They've struggled. Uh, Wisconsin ran for a lot of yards. Um, Notre Dame had some success on the ground. So You can run at least a little bit on this Ohio State defense. It's much improved from last year. I'll admit that. I think it's a better unit than last year's. Maybe not much better, but it is is a better unit. So I think this is a pretty good matchup against Ohio State. We saw Singleton in the uh, Minnesota game. He went for a lot of yards. That rushing attack looked really good. Um, If they don't ask Sean Clifford to do too much game control, I think this is a pretty easy cover for Penn State. And I think this could actually be a really close game. I'll take Ohio State to win 31-24. I'll
0: give you a number. 29. If Sean Sean Clifford throws under 29 passes, Penn State's going to be in this game. And they're going to have a legitimate shot to win. If he throws over 29, it is likely going to be ugly for the Nittany Lions. I am going to take... Why 29? It's it's because... I can't remember the exact... Uh, win loss record, but he Penn State with him as quarterback is astronomically better when he throws under twenty nine passes. They've won like five games with him throwing over twenty nine. He like he's like they're like five and eighteen or something like that. Yep, and, uh, that probably was a little too much. I could probably find the stat if I if I you know looked again. Um, but that is really what you're kind of looking for. Uh. It, for for game flow purposes, I think part of that is the nature of of football. Yeah, yeah. no, I I agree. It's you're it's always like uh, I saw one. It was like it was like I don't know if it was a Nick Chubb stat, but it was like when this running back runs for over a hundred yards. Well, yeah, because you usually have the lead, so yeah, you're going to exactly. keep running the football. It's not like oh, we got to a hundred yards, we
1: oh, we won the game. Yes, but I uh-huh. do think
0: it's interesting to note that if Sean Clifford has to throw the ball and you know he's throwing the yep. ball, he's not good. Yep. So, so there's that I'm going to go with Ohio state, uh, laying the points though, because if they don't win this game by 24 points, I, I think you can look at it like a black mark and it's not like a huge black mark. It, 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 the expectation is to beat them by more than Michigan. If they really are the number one team in the country, if you really are that much better than Michigan, you have to do what Michigan did to Penn state to Penn state. And mm-hmm. it's going to be a little bit more impressive because you're going to do it on the road, too. Well, I would say that would kind
1: of nullify because there are, uh, Penn State was coming off a bye against Michigan,
0: right? I mean, that is true. So. I, I, I did forget about that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if you want to play the comparison game, we'll play the comparison game, beat Penn State by 35-plus. Yeah. It's as simple as that. Um, do I think Ohio State's the better team? Absolutely. But this is more so a a challenge. It's like, mm. do it. Yeah. And, and if they don't, then I'm going to sit here and be like, well, I picked you to do it and you didn't, which must mean you're a little bit fraudulent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, do think, I, I do think Penn State is a really bad matchup for Ohio State, though. Uh, when you talk about the athletes, that what James Franklin does, and we talked about it, he recruits better than, a lot of, better than almost anybody in the country. I mean, Penn State is constantly in the top ten in terms of recruiting. He just can't coach very well, which, which obviously we've seen hasn't worked out. I don't think um, they develop very well. No, that's, that's the thing but they have athletes. Like when you talk about pure athletic intangibles, Penn state has it across the board. Talked about Joey Porter jr. Their entire secondary are, are, are freak athletes. They can keep up with Ohio state wide receivers. It's going to be one and lost in the trenches. Can Penn hmm. state look like they did against Minnesota or can they look, or are they going to look like they did against Michigan? Because if they look like they did against Michigan, Ohio state will take advantage of that. CJ Stroud is going to throw the ball, but I don't think Ryan Day is stupid enough to throw the ball 40 times when you have Mayan Williams and Travion Henderson against a Penn State rush defense that against Michigan didn't look good. Now, if they show up like they did against Minnesota, I think that the, I think this game is going to be a you know low-scoring, like you said, 30-27, 28-24 type game. If you, if you can run the ball as Penn State, if you can control the line of scrimmage on offense with Nick Singleton— You will be in this, you will have a fantastic shot at winning this game. If you're going to force Sean Clifford to drop back and throw it, especially down the field, he's just not going to be able to. When Sean Clifford throws the ball, it needs to be off of play action. You need to be able to get the Ohio State defense moving in one direction because what we've seen from them, what we know that Jim Knowles is as a defensive coordinator, he is aggressive. His defenses are aggressive. They are going to bite on some of those play fakes, but you have to be able to set the run up. If you can't do that, you're screwed. But if you can, Penn State's got a legitimate shot to win this game. If if this wasn't if I wasn't challenging Ohio State, I would be picking Penn State because fifteen and a half points is way too many in my opinion. But I'm challenging Ohio State. I, are you really fifteen and a half points better than Penn State? Show me.
1: I think I, I forget to say a couple of things. First off, I think Penn State's wide receivers are terrible. Oh, they're I think awful. that yeah. is part of the reason why they can't throw the ball when teams know they're going to throw the ball. And I think too, I'll say this: Ohio State, as much as they won by against Iowa, they showed you know, some uh, gaps in their offense, meaning... Can't run the ball? A bit, but I think more than anything, it's if you pressure and can get to C.J. Stroud, he struggles to make throws.
0: We saw it last year in the Michigan game.
1: Yes, he struggles to make throws when he's not in a clean pocket. And if you can take away his first read... He, he could be in some trouble. We saw it against Iowa. Like they had what was pretty much four three and outs or four wasted yep. drives and like I think six total drives yep. I,
0: or something like that. I would
1: be shocked if Joey five,
0: five I, would, I would be shocked if Joey Porter Jr. didn't follow Marvin Harrison around. Mm. I I think he's going to be manned up on him ninety percent of the time. I would be shocked if that wasn't the case because I think. If you can force, and yes, Emeka Abuka is a great player, but if you can take Marvin Harrison out and they don't have Jackson Smith and Jigba, you're telling me that I'm going to force Julian Fleming to beat me? I'll take that every single day of the mm. week. I, I, it's, I mean, he, there's a steep drop-off between the top two receivers on that team and, and Julian Fleming, in my personal opinion. I agree. Next game, Notre Dame. You mentioned this, going to the carrier dome to take on the number 16, Cuse. Cuse are two-and-a-half-point favorites at home, coming off the heartbreaking loss to Clemson where they had the lead for a majority of the game and, and blew it in the fourth quarter. Uh, I'm a little bit worried about this game. What do you, what do you I think? I am too. So you mentioned this earlier. This is a weird game because A,
1: Syracuse probably doesn't have a chance to make it to a you know a playoff or ACC championship or anything like that. And Notre Dame is obviously 4-3, and three, so they have no chance of being a factor in anything. Um, but... It's kind of like picking a bowl game, you know what I mean? It's like yep. these two teams, they haven't they don't have a lot of common opponents, at least not yet. Notre Dame is yet to be, play Clemson. Um, and so it's kind of like this weird thing where it's like we don't really know how to compare these two teams. They don't have very many common opponents. It's not going to be for this big college football playoff yeah. sort of prize towards the end of the season.
0: I mean, to be frank, we haven't really watched a ton of either team.
1: Yeah, I've watched some Syracuse, I think like two and a half games, but... Notre Dame, we haven't picked or watched really much of since
0: week one, I was right? Gonna say the week last two? The last Notre Dame we were really tuned into was Marshall. And I,
1: it was only the fourth quarter because we yeah, were in the car. I watched the... Uh, B, I just had the BYU game on because nothing else was really on for like uh, yeah, the I first didn't watch hour that and a half. But other than that, I really haven't seen much of Notre Dame. So it's a weird one. It's like I said, it's like picking like a 2-8-4 and four bowl game, like a pinstripe bowl sort of thing is what it feels <laughs> like. But... I still am going to take Syracuse. Um, I think they probably can figure out what they did wrong in the Clemson game. I think everyone talked about that Clemson-Syracuse game from Clemson's perspective, myself included, talking about DJU. But Syracuse really was in control of that game, and I don't think it was fluky or I don't think it was, oh, we got lucky. I think they... I think I think the fumble return for a touchdown was a bit fluky in in all honesty yeah. but I think even that it's like they're still up 14 to 10 for the majority of that game and quite honestly I just thought the reason why their defense kind of struggled towards the end is cuz they got tired. I mean their offense couldn't provide
0: them enough. Yeah. And I went I mean I I don't know how many drives they had over 15 yards in the second half.
1: It was bad. And I'll say this, I think the main source that was the problem for them. They didn't run the football. They really didn't. They stopped giving Sean Tucker as many touches as he needed. And it's like, okay, well, when we were running the ball, and I hate the cliche of like, oh, they didn't run it. Run the damn ball. You should, you need to yeah. run the ball more. Because it's just like so obvious and kind of just, um, I don't know. I feel like it lacks, you know, context. But Tucker went for five carries, 54 yards. Yep. That's eleven yards of carry, and that's unacceptable. And when you're protecting a double, you know, digit lead, two possession lead in the second half, that can cost you a football game. And yep. I think it might have. Um, so I, I thought that was the main point of concern for Syracuse. I think they can get that fixed up. The issue will be coming off of the brutal loss like that. Can they come, you know, back home and you know beat a Notre Dame team? But listen, it's in the Carrier Dome. They're going to probably sell that place out. Um, You know, I still think this team has some energy to it, even after losing that Clemson game. It just comes down to Can Dino, you know, coach these guys up and tell them, "Hey, we still have a lot to play for." And you're Syracuse. It's not like you're a um, Florida State where it's like, "All right, we lose two games, we're not going to play in the ACC championship game. Our season's done." No, you're Syracuse. If you go eleven and one and play in, let's say, the Orange Bowl because Clemson makes the College Football Playoff, that is a one of your best years ever. So there is still a ton to play for. I think these kids um, will play well. It, like I said, and I always say about Syracuse, this is a balanced offense, and it has a lot of you know, real players on that defensive side of the football. I think Notre Dame is going to really struggle to move the ball in this game, and I think Syracuse wins this game 20 to 13. It's not necessarily pretty because of the nature of these two teams, but I just think Syracuse is a much better team. And with the advantage of the carrier dome, I'm not too worried about the coming off of a tough loss.
0: Yeah. I I, I'm kind of with you there. I, I don't love this game. I especially don't love how Dino used Sean Tucker uh, against Clemson. I was, I just sat there in disbelief. It was like, you have this explosive running back. You just are throwing the ball or using other running backs. And I, I, used a lot of Garrett Schrader on the ground. It just doesn't make sense. Like last year I was trying to figure out while you were talking um how many attempts he's on pace for this season. It's a lot less. They got 3 games left and he's 100 and uh 109 carries less than he had last year in 12 he games. So he has uh, 137 oh, La- oh or no my wait, God. no. I'm looking at 129. It's less. He's, but it's only seven games. I was looking at twenty twenty. Okay, so he still got five games. But last year in twelve games he had two hundred forty six, and you want to know what he did? He went for six point one on the ground yeah. a carry. He had over. He had nearly fifteen hundred yards. I, I don't know why they're not using him that way this year. It's kind of pissing me off a little bit. Um, but at the same time. Uh, it, I'm not going to trust Drew Pine like this Notre Dame offense is disgusting. And, and we saw this Clemson defense. they are the Syracuse defense against Clemson. They're a good defense. Yeah. They got uh fluky plays that got DJ to play his worst game of this, uh, of his career. I mean, some of the throws he was making was not good, but even still, even without those plays, they were for the most part, holding Clemson, you know, to a field goal or, or at least making it tough for them to get into the end zone. Uh, look at the, uh, the fumble return touchdown. I mean, Clemson had plenty of opportunities to try and and punch it in from uh, in the red zone. And it it took them, it took them a couple of plays to even get to the point where they were on the, I think it was the two yard line. Um, Was that a second or third down that they, that he fumbled it It was a second down play got blown up though. Exactly. Like, I mean, it it was, this is a good Syracuse defense. They're, they're one of the, um, the better total defenses in the country. Um, and, And, For the matchup at home carrier dome like you said sold out it's a weird place to play notre dame probably is not going to want to be there they would rather be in south bend than than syracuse new york um or at least playing in los angeles against usc (laughs) um so i think i think there's going to be a little bit of a a conflict of interest with with notre dame it's like they don't really want to be there yeah it's probably a game that they could win um they're definitely just as talented, if not more talented, than Syracuse. But are they more well-coached? I just don't think so. Um, so I'm going to go with Syracuse laying the 2.5. Next game, number 9, Oklahoma State. On the road again facing another top 25 opponent. Uh, taking on the number 22-ranked Kansas State Wildcats, who are favorites, 1.5 points. Over, what do you think about this one?
1: I'm taking Oklahoma State. Um, I think Kansas State isn't bad. I don't know what their quarterback situation is. Yeah. Do we know? Um, uh,
0: I'll, I'll look for you while you talk.
1: But um, I I actually didn't think they played that poorly against TCU. They just had a lot of weird stuff going on with the quarterback position. For those that didn't watch, it was Adrian Martinez.
0: To be decided on Thursday.
1: Wow. Uh, Adrian Martinez gets out the first play or second. It was like first series of the game. And uh, they have to put in their backup starts carving up TCU secondary, and then he goes down in the third quarter, so they were literally down to their third string quarterback. Well, the third string comes in and throws a pick the very first play he gets, no, not the very first play he comes in, but his very first pass and only pass because he throws the pick, and the TCU coaches are like, "I, right, he's not it. You know what I mean? So they throw the backup back in there because I guess whatever he was going through, they were like, It can't be bad enough that we have to watch this third (laughs) stringer play. And so Will Howard is his name, and he comes back in there, and he's just not the same. He just couldn't make the throws he was making beforehand, and TCU goes on to win the game. But um, I don't know what Kansas State is going to do at quarterback A. And B, I think this Oklahoma State team – Find ways to win games. I mean, say what you will about them. Obviously, the TCU game was a bad one, losing that. Yeah, but yeah, Texas—they rallied and played very well. I think this team's getting hot at the right time. Oklahoma State is. Um, I thought they had a lot of great energy, especially in the second half. Um, defensively, they're not as bad as I thought they were. Um, Certainly not good. No, they're not great. But um, I mean, the secondary still—it's weird at the at best. Um, so uh, it, it's a it's a weird unit. But they're a little bit better than I thought they would be. Um, I think the D-line is the one with a bunch of starters, correct? Yeah. Uh, the D-line... Although one of, one of the guys is sitting out to prepare for the draft. Oh, that's funny. The D-line going against this Kansas State Powercat offense could be, you know, a bit of a tough matchup for the Wildcats. So we'll see how it goes. I'm going to take Kansas or Oklahoma State winning outright on the road at Kansas State. I just don't have enough belief in Kansas State kind of pull out these close games i do it with oklahoma state we've seen it so much um so yeah oklahoma it, state to win
0: this can be a high scoring game uh I'm going to go with Oklahoma State, too. I just think they're the better team. They're my pick to win the Big 12 right now. I think they're better than TCU. I think home field definitely played a, a role into them losing that game. I mean, when, when they lost the momentum, there was no way they were going to get it back. Yeah. There was just no way. I mean, TCU has been—I I don't know the name of their stadium, but they've been packing it. It has been unbelievable, the kind of support they've had. So I think Oklahoma State is the better team. Um, if they played again, neutral site or at Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State wins that game. Uh, they're my pick, obviously to win the Big 12, so I think they're going to beat Kansas State. They have to in order to even get to the Big 12 championship game. Um, plus, like you mentioned, the quarterback, I don't know what to do. You can't just rely, and, rely on Deuce Vaughn to carry the ball 45 times. It's just yeah. not going. To, it's not sustainable. Um, he's a fantastic player. It is what it is. Defensively, though, I think Kansas State doesn't get a ton of credit um, because they're Kansas State. They got some dudes. They do um, dudes. What's the guy's name? Oh, the... <laughs> Uh, Pat McAfee T- was, or, yeah, uh, on, yeah, on do ZK or no, yeah, it's, like it's, I'm going to figure it out. Um, but he's a fantastic player. He's going to be a, you know, one or uh, two round pick in the NFL draft.
1: No, it is a loaded unit. Kansas um, State. yeah, it kept TCU pretty much in check for the first two and a half quarters, but I think the inevitable just kind of came in Quentin Johnson, the big 12, it's just loaded with talent right now. I mean, that's, it's kind of the truth of it, folks. And, you know, it, it doesn't get the national ch- attention because they play in the middle of the field or the middle of the country, but... Um, Manhattan,
0: Kansas, baby.
1: Yeah, it's, it's still a loaded
0: conference. Hold on, I'm going to find it.
1: It's not the glory... Felix
0: and Anudike Uzama. That's it. He is a fantastic player. 6'4", 255. He comes off the edge like a seeking missile. Yep. But Spencer Sanders has been... Amazing this year for yeah. Oklahoma State. I mean, we we talked about it earlier in the season, and then kind of went away from talking about Oklahoma State and him. But the jump he made from last year the, to this year has been insane. Yes, I mean, he has. looks like. I mean, he. You meant, you talked about his stats. He could throw his hat in the Heisman ring if if mm. Oklahoma State continues to to ascend. Um, what about DJU? No comment. Uh, number nineteen, Kentucky. <laughs> Traveling to Rocky Top to take on the number three Vols, baby. Twelve and a half point favorites are the Vols at home. Uh, would you like to? Would you like to start on this one?
1: Yeah, this is this was probably the hardest game I've had to pick all year. Quite honestly, um, this was the easiest one for me to pick. It wasn't. I don't think. Um, I think. What would you say? It wasn't because you didn't immediately have Tennessee. The black jerseys thing. Had no, the, I was, it put you over the edge. I was going to take Tennessee. You were going to take Tennessee, but it put you over the edge. No, I was going to take Tennessee regardless. You didn't put Tennessee immediately in the dock. I saw that. No, right? I was
0: going to, though. What I just the, hated the line. Okay. All right. So, it wasn't the easy. But game, I'm going to pick Tennessee in every single game. I know.
1: Um, so, so, it is easy for me. Okay. Easiest? Yes. Wow. Um, okay. So, I, I I thought about this and... You know, I, I was initially going to take Tennessee, sitting in class, thinking about it though, and I was just thinking, twelve and a half points is so many for Kentucky. It coming off of a pie after a huge win against Mississippi State. Tennessee is you know, obviously they beat Alabama a week ago, but still it's like lingering in the back of their head. And the black jerseys thing, I get all that, but it's just like it's just the perfect equation for Kentucky. And with the way they play football, the close games and, you know, making everything one possession, them as an underdog, it's basically free money. My thing is this. I just don't think Kentucky can consistently stop this Tennessee offense. That was really the the breaking point was it's like, okay, Kentucky always keeps games close. Can they consistently stop Tennessee and make it so that it is a 24-20 game? Probably not. That's 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 how it's going to be. Like yep. I just don't think so. I think it's it, it could be very close to whether or not this thing covers at the twelve and a half number. Um, but at the end of the day, I don't know if there's a defense in the country that can consistently stop Kentucky. I don't care, or it can stop t- Tennessee's offense. I don't care if it's Kentucky. I don't care if you're whoever. Um, this is just a very dynamic offense, and they played UT Martin last week. So it's like yes, Kentucky's coming off of a bye. So Tennessee. Tennessee is virtually coming off of a bye, folks. I know how it works with college game planning. They probably had not just one assistant, you know, game planning <laughs> for Kentucky. They probably had four.
0: I'll tell you what. They probably focused Monday, Tuesday on UT Martin, and then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, there was like half the staff was looking at Kentucky game. Yes, takes.
1: of course they were. Why wouldn't they be? I mean, Tennessee Martin is. Let's be real here. Their FCS team, like that's it's a bye week. So I, I don't really. I, I don't favor the bye that much. I think Tennessee's wearing the black jerseys. I think they're geared up to play this game. I don't think there's any bit of them that's you know ha- still has hangover over the Alabama win. I think they're ready to play. And I just don't think Kentucky can consistently stop this offense. Um, I don't know if there's a huge impact with this game being in Rocky Top. We saw Kentucky and Oxford and Mississippi. They pretty much seemed unfazed. But... Tennessee's offense is good anywhere, and uh, I don't think there's any exception this week. I think they'll put up enough points, and I don't know if Kentucky will be able to score enough to keep pace, to keep this a 10 point, 7 point, what have you sort of game. So I'm taking Tennessee. I, I know it's a lot of points, and it feels weird, but that's what I'm doing, and I'll say they win by 14. Mm, I'll say 38 24.
0: I'll take your reservations, and I'll say throw them out the window. This Tennessee offense is not going to be stopped by this Kentucky defense. I have This Kentucky D de- or offense isn't going to be able to score against this Tennessee defense. I just don't think I don't think they're dynamic enough. And and that's, that was the problem in Ole Miss was they could not find the end zone, even though they were down there. It, with 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 the ball in the fourth quarter, like two different times. I'm convicted. By the way, I have no reser- okay. reservations anymore. It man sounded, once it sounded like you were. In. It sounded I'm like just you saying, reserved.
1: I'm just saying it was started because there was literally for a second, I was I was more on Kentucky than I was on Tennessee. I was like, all right, this is what I'm going to. I was Kentucky.
0: I was going to take Tennessee 14 to win by 14, and then I saw them playing in the black jerseys. They're going to win by 24 now. Okay, it, it's going to be an absolute bloodbath. Um... I'm going to say, that's a weird one. Yeah, fire it. I got I to gotta come up with a 45-11, would that be? 34? 45-21. Uh, yeah, we'll go with that. We'll go with that. That's, that's a football score. Um, yeah, Tennessee is going to win this one going away. People are going to be like, oh, it's a look-ahead game to Georgia. This team is locked in. They've taken it one game at a time and, and, and really just had to look at the UT Martin game. They got up in that game like that and took the starters out at halftime and they were they were ready to they were ready to go for next week. They were locked in for the first half cuz that's how they needed to be cuz they're that good offensively and then focus shifted immediately to Kentucky and until that Kentucky game is over, they're not going to focus on Georgia. I'm telling you right now, Hypo's got that team locked in.
1: And folks, um, you know we the last time we talked about a Tennessee game before a big one and a potential look ahead, it was Tennessee LSU. Look how that one turned out. So I'm not <laughs> worried about the, the potential look
0: ahead. Next game: Michigan State at Michigan, the number fourteen in the country, twenty-three point favorites in the Big House are the Wolverines. Obert, Michigan
1: and Michigan State coming off of buys. Um, that's kind of going to be a talking point, at least you know for the next week or two, uh, especially in like the NFL. But. Um, because so many teams are in buys, but anyway, you know, I think Michigan, w- when you think about teams coming off buys, it's about what do you believe in coaching-wise? W- which teams do you believe in coaching-wise? And I believe in Jimmy H. Um, I think more of that still kind of falls on the OCs and DCs, and they'll have to come up with things and plays and what right. have you to kind of fool, uh, you know, Michigan State and whatever they want to do. But still, my point being, I believe in this Michigan coaching staff. 23-point favorites, it's a lot of points. I don't really mind it, though. I don't. Listen, Michigan at home against a Michigan State team, I just don't think is that good. We saw it against Penn State. Like, there was a large gap. There was a very large gap between Michigan and Penn State. And, uh, you know, going into this game, will Michigan State be able to stop that rushing attack? I don't think so. I don't know if there's a team in the Big Ten that can do it, and I don't think Michigan State can do it. And I think... You know, as just more of a game prediction rather than, you know, not focusing on the spread. I think what we could see, and this is a reason for optimism for Michigan fans everywhere. I think we'll see, you know, JJ McCarthy's first, you know, kind of outbreak against, uh, you know, a pretty, let's be honest mediocre Michigan State uh, secondary, so I think Michigan explodes uh, offensively through the air and on the ground, and I think they win this game 49-17. My only thing I will say is this. I think Mel Tucker's a really good coach. I really do. I think, um, obviously, tough start to the year, but coming off of a bye, I think this is the game for Michigan State. They're going to leave it all on the line. It is Michigan State, Michigan, their biggest rival – at Michigan, they're going to say, I don't care what happens the rest of the season. Yep. I don't care what's happened before this point in the season. Yep. I am going to give everything I have to try and win this game. And that is the only way that this thing could be close. And if it is, it'll be like a seven-point Michigan win. And I know it's like, whoa, how could you possibly say that? It's just I what I believe is a very good coach with a team that will give they're 100%. Because what else do they have to play for at this yep. point? Bowl eligibility, maybe? Um, no. They they will leave it all on the line. And if they get some momentum early, they'll be like,
0: all right, we can play with this team. Otherwise, Michigan will absolutely steamroll them. Um, listen, I'm not going to put money on this game because we never. I never put money. We never <laughs> put money on these. If I was, I'm putting it on Michigan State. Am I going to pick them? Absolutely not. I'm a Michigan man. But if I was a unbiased better, I'm putting it on Michigan State because of the thing you just said. Mel Tucker always he's and it's and it's only been two games. We only have a two game sample size, but you look at those two games. He had his team. They were 25 point dogs in the 2020 season. What did they do? They came in and won. Yes, there was no fans. Yes, that Michigan team turned out to be actual crap last year. I think Michigan was three-point favorites, right? Yeah, it was a close spread. It was it a was close spread, and it was at Michigan State, and, and they're down 16 points in the, in the second half, and all of a sudden they come back. Mel Tucker is going to have his boys ready to play for this game on Saturday. The only problem is, is that I think Michigan wants to win this game more than anyone on mm-hmm. their schedule. What happened last year was an absolute embarrassment to the program, and every single player that was in that game feels that way. Jimmy H. even said at his press conference, he, he told the reporter, he's like, guys, I'm not going to lie to you. I want to win this game. My family wants to win this game. Yeah. Desperately. Mike Hart told his son, this, this was the funniest story I've seen so far. Mike Hart, you know, his, his son has a Paul Bunyan replica trophy, like a mini, a mini one. And, and after the game last year, he told him, you can't have that out anymore. We don't deserve it. You have to put that away until we beat them. And I was like, whoa. So Michigan is going to take this game very, very seriously. They are clearly the better team. But mm. when rivalries like this come, you almost have to throw the records, the the season out the window. Yep. You, have to, you just have to stack the teams up at their very best because that is what they're going to give. And, and I think Michigan State is better than what they've shown, especially when, you said it, the backs are against the wall. They don't have anything to lose. They are playing... This is their Super Bowl. This yep. game is their Super Bowl at this point in the season. This is the only thing that matters. They, they're likely not going to make a bowl game. I don't know what their record is. They're
1: three and four. Yeah, they're likely, I
0: mean, I mean, they're likely not going, they still have to play Penn State. They're likely not going to make a bowl. It, 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 I would probably put money on them finishing five and seven. This is the game that could get them to a bowl one and two, make their season worth it. You know, I've always said that if Michigan beats Ohio State, I don't care if we go 1 and 11. That would that would be a that would be a successful season. And Michigan State feels the same way about playing Michigan. If they beat Michigan, it is a successful season. And, and I think that you're going to get a close gritty game. It's 7:30. Weird things happen at night. Mm. It's the night before it's uh it's the weekend before Halloween. Yep. We're going to get some spook we're going to get some spooky stuff happening. It's, yep. it's spooktober. Um <laughs> but at the end of the day, JJ McCarthy is Going to come out of that tunnel with a with a vengeance. He's gonna he's gonna have one thing on his mind, and it's to embarrass that Michigan State defense last because of what happened last year. Yep. I mean that fumble probably cost Michigan the game. Yep. And he has had to live with that for this for for 365 days. There is nothing more than he wants than to put an absolutely just gaudy performance and embarrass that Penn State or that Michigan State defense. He is going to throw for 350 yards. Michigan is going to win this game, 48 to 10. Mm. that's what's going to happen. But if I'm putting money on it, I'm taking Michigan state, uh, to cover not to win outright, but to cover locks and underdogs.
1: Uh, my luck. I have South Carolina at home against Missouri. I've got no problem riding the South Carolina train. I was high on them before the regular season. I think I said they would go 10 and two with a win over Clemson. Not when the sec. Yeah, that was,
0: that was funny. I loved when you said that Yeah, <laughs> everyone uh, was going to come out of conference against Clemson. Um, it could,
1: by it, the way. Could. it could. It still could. It could. Still could. That game is at South Carolina. I'm pretty sure. Um, and Clemson kind of is dragging ass right now. South Carolina's Ooh. playing their best ball. Oh no, it's in Clemson. Oh. Don't care. Um, uh, well,
0: so, yeah, you do a little bit.
1: Oh uh, yeah, I mean, whatever. But <laughs> I think it, it could be interesting. I obviously, I'm obviously rooting for Clemson. But I'm just saying they have this program rolling right now. Win over Texas A M. Win at Kentucky against Will Levis, who has only lost one game this whole season. Uh, oh, no. Wait, was it? Against, I don't think it was against Willie Biss. My bad. No, they... Um, wait, what? The South Carolina-Kentucky game. I don't think it was. No, against, he didn't play that yeah, game. that's right. Uh, so, went against Kentucky, and obviously the two losses to Arkansas, Georgia aren't great. Lost to Arkansas is really the one that, that, that hurts, but... Yeah. Um,
0: Would have liked a little bit more of a competitive game against Georgia.
1: But the point is this. They have everything rolling, and obviously Texas A&M not very good. We've you know, talked about that a million times, but... That's still a good win for them. They beat a highly ta- talented team. Your schedule in the SEC isn't easy, no exception against AM. Missouri at home, let's be honest, they're one and three in SEC yep. play. And obviously, they kept it close with Georgia, and that was fine for them. And it was their they best They kept game it close with Vandy
0: and Auburn, too. Kept it close with Vandy and Auburn.
1: <laughs> um, but I just think South Carolina, with the way their program's rolling, I don't think they will look ahead or look past Missouri. They didn't win a lot of games this year. They haven't won a lot of games the last five years. This team knows the importance of winning every single game. This is for them to get to bowl eligibility, which is something they haven't done in years. And listen, they win this game against Missouri. They got Vandy next week. We're talking about, so they would be, what, 7-2? and two? We're talking about a team that could be 9-3 and three by the end of the season yep. with any luck. So probably 8 and 4 but still. Um so I think this team knows the importance of this game. They're at home and it, let's be frank, Missouri's just not just not nearly as good. So I'm taking South Carolina only a 4-point favorite. I love this line, this team spread overall. I think this one's a winner.
0: I agree with you. Um I'm going with Wake Forest minus 4 at Louisville. Um a little bit surprised by how low the the number is. Um, Seriously? It feels like I'm getting a UCF game from last week. They were five-point favorites at ECU. Although, I think that I did I did respect ECU as a football team. I don't know how much I respect Louisville. They haven't been very good this season. They do have Malik Cunningham. Uh, he played last week against Pitt. I just... This Wake Forest team, they're in my top ten. I think they're my number ten team in the country. I think they're that good. Uh, Sam Hartman has been absolutely impressive. It's a tough offense to play against. That slow mesh is going to kill you. You just have... In order to beat it, you a have to get pressure along the front, and you have, just have to have athletes on the back end. I don't think Louisville has the players in order to keep this or in order to keep Wake Forest off the board. So it's going to be about how how many points can Malik Cunningham and that offense put up. To be quite honest with you, I, I don't know. He has been so inconsistent this season that I could see a game where you know Wake Forest wins this thing forty five twenty one, and I could also see a scenario where. Wake Forest wins, wins this game 41-38, and all of a sudden I, I get shafted. Yeah. Um, I do have a lock curse right now. Haven't gotten a lock right in college football in four straight games or four straight weeks. So, you know, I, I don't want to put a hex on Wake Forest, but I might.
1: I don't know what the rules are, but it's three and a half now. I'll take that. Um so I'll take that and, and I was about to take this one too. My thought process was what in the world is going on? How is this possible? Louisville's two and three in conference. I think part of this is Louisville might be white hot right now, uh three possession win against uh at Virginia and then a two possession win against Pitt twenty four to ten.
0: Does that I don't think either of those teams are very good.
1: Fair. That's the problem. Um my underdog. Arkansas at Auburn. You love the SEC. <laughs> I do. No, but um, listen, Arkansas is coming off of a bye. Auburn's coming off of a bye. My problem being Auburn's coaching staff, huge questions about it. I have. Um, Everybody has. And Arkansas, I kind of don't. I mean, they're a really well-coached team. I like Pittman. He's doing a great job over there. Um, so that I don't like. But Auburn, 3-4, and four, Arkansas 4-3. Four I think these teams are pretty similar. Auburn's playing at home here. I get the home field advantage. I get a team that, you know, let's be real here, I think Harson's coaching for his job. <laughs> I mean, like He's uh, been
0: coaching for his job every freaking week this season. Yeah,
1: like if they don't go at least seven and five, which they probably won't, um He's probably gone. I would think. I, I don't think they would. I don't think they would bring him back after going six and six. We'll yeah, see. I but um, I think that's what he needs to do. This is a game they'll need to win. They're coming off of a bye. They'll want to play well. I don't care that it's Arkansas. I'm taking uh, Auburn.
0: I am going. They're an point dog, folks. With the Michigan-Michigan State inverse. Give me Florida plus twenty two and a half. They're playing in Jacksonville. Um, I, I don't know if they have a special name for the rivalry. I don't think so. Um, but they're, they they always play in Jacksonville, uh, Florida, Georgia. I told you I was going to take Michigan State if I was a betting man to cover. I'm taking Florida money line. I think we get an upset here. Georgia's been dragging ass. They haven't looked very good as a football team. It's been the offense. The defenses looked fine, but it didn't look like hasn't looked like a defense from last year. And and you were on this train first. Let's pump the brakes on that. Um, Offensively, they're they're lost. They don't have playmakers outside of their tight end room, which is a weird thing to say for a, a team that's supposed to be as talented as Georgia. Meanwhile, Florida—they have nothing else to prove. I mean, I mean, nothing else to lose. They, they, Anthony Richardson yeah. is a guy that can make plays. Billy Napier is going to be essentially coaching for his job in the sense that if he wins this game, the Florida faithful are going to have. A billion times more confidence in him going forward. Whereas if they get blown out in this game, I think there's a, there's going to be a serious question mark about, is Billy Napier actually the guy? And I know it's only like seven games into his career <laughs> at, at Florida, but it's the SEC. You have to win immediately. You have to show improvement immediately. Look at Brian Kelly at LSU. You have to do that stuff if you want to be taken seriously by the fan base. And at this point, Florida hasn't looked great. 22.5 is a lot of points. Plus, I'm trying to come back here. I can get four points if Florida wins this game. Mm. Um, that would be huge in terms of the underdog race. A bit of um, strategy. So I, I, I like this number um, because I think that Florida could cover two, which means I get at least one point. But I think there is a legitimate shot that we see number one go down this coming week.
1: they okay. call, They called the uh, the the rivalry
0: Florida Georgia line. So <laughs> stop it. You're, they call it the Florida Georgia football rivalry. That's so dumb. Okay, uh, NFL records. Me and you were three and three last week. Mike was five and one. How Woo! about it? White hot. Um, you're now twenty three, eighteen on the season. I'm seventeen and twenty four. Mike is sixteen and nineteen. Underdog wise, I'm one five and one. Had another loss. Uh, you're three and four. You had a nice win, and Mike had an, another win. Although asterisk, he is now five and one.
1: What was the asterisk for that? Um, oh yeah,
0: the Russ. the Jets the Jets Broncos game.
1: Yep. yep obviously um, Mike. it is
0: it's an asterisk yeah they were favorites on, at mike. kickoff sorry mike come on asterisk asterisk it's not it's not a big deal it's not a huge right? deal mike it's just an asterisk like it, like you're yeah. so far ahead right now that it's not really going to matter but, but if, it does, if it does matter asterisk asterisk and that's fine
1: no 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 no, no. no. We're just
0: five and one asterisk you're five and one with an asterisk yeah, like no, you're 5-1-1 one one with the, or you're five and one with an asterisk. That's all it is, Mike. It's, all, it's fine. Now. Okay, first game, Ravens minus one at Bucks Thursday Night Football on Prime Video. I don't know if I'm going to watch this game. To be quite honest with you, I don't want to pay for Amazon Prime. <laughs> uh, My free trial's up. I, I don't know if you saw in the graph, but they are continuously decreased, yeah. decreasing viewership because yep. their uh, free trial's now up. Uh, they've lost like
1: five million viewers or something like that since week one, like thirteen to eight million. That's no,
0: I think I think it's six. I think they're now uh, seven million now. Oh seven and God. a half,
1: maybe. Um, Ravens at Bucks. This was a very tricky one. It was so hard picking NFL games this week because there were no numbers that you were looking at. They're just it's terrible all just, games. It's all just picking winners, the yep. teams that you have so many question marks about. I think this is a game of who do you, who do I I guess believe in more, and who do I think has a better chance of kind of turning it around. I think the Ravens are just a better team. The Bucks, when they've lost games, they're just getting beat. They're just playing like a yep. much worse team. When the Ravens are losing games, they're not finishing games. They're not doing the little things. They're not, you know, uh, coming up with the close wins in the close uh, games. But honestly, I don't know if this game will be close. As bad or as, you know, weird as the Ravens have, been throughout the season, Tom Brady and the Bucs have been awful. I mean, they got swamped by the by the Panthers last week. I get this is in Tampa Bay. I just don't know how much it matters. I think Tampa Bay seriously does not have a lot of energy. I don't think they're going to fix this. Yeah. Um. I, I think we're through seven games at this point, and now we're in the area where it's like some of these teams, and there's been so many of them, who have been just way worse than expected. Like, it's a matter of do we think they'll figure it out and become yeah. a playoff team, or do we not? I don't think this team will. Like, no, I just think I this is kind of how they are. I think it's, they could
0: be a playoff team because of the division they play in, but. Yeah, maybe.
1: But, I mean, like, it's not like we're after week two and this is overreaction Thursday. Oh, yeah, no, we're, we're, we're through seven almost weeks into half the season. The
0: season. Or if this is week eight.
1: And, and the Bucks are what they've been the whole year, which is inconsistent, bad offensively, don't really have a passing attack. Um, so I'm going to take the Ravens. I think this is very close to being the team that we thought that they would be at the beginning of the season, and I think the Bucks are not even close. I don't think they're no. anywhere near it. It's at Tampa Bay. I get all that. It doesn't really – I don't really care. Um, I, I think the Ravens are starting to turn a cor- corner. I really do. I think that close win over Cincinnati was big. That Giants loss doesn't look that bad, and then the close win over Cleveland um, is pretty good. So, um, listen, they're 4-3. and three. I think they're starting to figure things out. And I think they won a close game, 24-20, to 20
0: in Tampa Bay. I think the Ravens are going to lead this game at, at, by double digits at some point. Um, the question is, yeah, will they? Yeah, I said
1: it wasn't going to be very close. I don't know why I said that, because Tampa Bay is probably going to like have like a 10-point comeback in the fourth
0: quarter. Yeah, I was going to say, it's like, will they be able to hold that lead? Probably not. I mean, every single game this season, they've led by at least 10. And, and I think every single game, the team has come back. Yeah, at least make it close. It is unbelievable how their or their inability to to put games away, especially with who their quarterback is. Yes. It's like it should be a lot easier. That being said, I think this Bucks offense is one of the worst units in the league. Yes, the Ravens defense hasn't been great, but I mean, let's be honest. They just put up three points against the Panthers. Yeah. I don't know if this Bucks team is going to put up more than 13 points, which means the Ravens could score 25 or 27 points and still win this game by 14. Mm. Uh, I, I'm taking the Ravens to win this game by at least double digits. It's going to be their first game of the season where they take a double-digit lead and don't relinquish that double-digit lead. <laughs> it's going to be insane. Next game, Cardinals at Vikings. Vikings laying 3.5 at home. Over
1: I have the Cardinals. Uh, D Hop getting back, obviously, last Thursday against the Saints. It will be a longer week. It'll almost be the mini bye. Not quite, but it'll kind so of So it'll
0: be bye versus mini bye.
1: Buy versus mini bye, correct. Um, I like that for the Cardinals. I think their offense looked much better. And obviously, you look at the statistics, and they didn't go for a lot of yards simply because. They didn't have a lot of possessions. Yeah, because their two defense pick scored sixes, two touchdowns. Yeah, two pick sixes, I mean, you're just not going to have. You're literally missing. That's two possessions two, two, two right Two drives that you don't have. So um, they just didn't have the ball a lot just because of the pick sixes. Yep. Um, and the Saints were behind a lot, so, you know, it was kind of playing a little bit conservative. Um, so, but what I did see was efficiency. And, yep. you know, in weeks past, it was Kyler throwing the football 40, 50 times a game and, Going for 300 yards or 200 yards or 250 and running for 20. And they were averaging like four yards a play. And it was just bad football. But against the Saints, when they did have the ball and with T-Hop out there, it was much improved. They were running the ball a lot better. And honestly, I didn't make a takeaway about them, but it just felt like their offense could breathe. Mm-hmm. It just felt like everybody was more relaxed. There was more space. Just more space because the uh, defense had to respect DeAndre Hopkins. The running lanes were more open. Just everything felt easier. And, you know, I, I said that with, you know, at the beginning of the year with D Hop Out, it's like, it shouldn't matter as much as it does, and I think it's probably a bad thing that it does that matter that much. That D Hop was out, but it does. Like he's their star receiver, their you know most important player outside of Kyler on that whole team. And in an air raid offense, you need a guy like that so that teams really respect what you're trying to do. Robbie Anderson didn't look great, but it was you know a quick turnaround for him coming from Carolina. So I think this Cardinals team is going to start rolling. And um, obviously, Cliff still have questions about him. But um, I like the Cardinals to win this game.
0: I mean, this looks like a completely different Cardinals team with DeAndre Hopkins lined up outside. I mean, they actually lined him up. I think the stat I saw was like 46% of the time in the slot. What? Yeah. What is that? Are they just throwing Rondell to the side then? (laughs) Like, what what do we... Regardless you mentioned the mini buy and I was thinking about taking the Vikings because they were coming off of a buy, but I mean, they, the Cardinals basically have had 10 days off since they've last played. So it it really kind of nullifies the advantage that the Vikings would have had three and a half points. is kind of weird. I, I don't know if the Cardinals can win this game, but I think it's a, a game where they lose by three if they it, you know if they don't win I, I think it's going to be a very close game it's gonna they're gonna go tit for tat back and forth I don't think this Vikings team is capable of really putting teams away uh, mm. they're the Vikings like they're gonna win games by f- five four or three so it, it really comes down to you know who kicks the field goal. And, and when the touchdown is scored because we could get a three we could get a four um i'm going to err on the side of the cardinals looking really really good with d hop although the vikings coming off a bye with jay jets and adam thielen having you know fantastic seasons Kirk cousins looks great and they're starting to use Dalvin cook more i think that and there could be a a world where the vikings win this game you know by a touchdown or 10 points so i just want to throw that out there i'm going to go with the cardinals though um but don't be surprised if the Vikings win this game pretty handedly. Next game, 49ers lane one and a half on the road, traveling to Los Angeles to take on the Rams. Um, Obert, what do you think? This is the I, second time they're playing, by the way.
1: Yep, second time they played. We're only in week eight. Seems kind of crazy, but it's the way it is. I'm taking the 49ers. I'm I just I'm just not going to take the Rams. I will not do it against the 49ers. And, and it feels so like oh, situational bullshit, like, oh, people are just kind of conflating the whole, um, you know, Kyle Shannon and Sean McVay thing with a couple of, I don't know, good games from the 49ers and maybe bad games from the Rams. A couple of them were Monday night football games uh, at San Francisco where they had a lot of energy or they were playing well or playing well at the right time, like last year when they won an overtime in uh, Los Angeles. It just felt like, oh, they have so much energy. But I just, I mean, how many times do we have to see it before, you know, there's finally something to this? Where it's like Shanahan's system really is just a bad matchup for McVay. I think it was hard for me to believe because I I just feel like, how can McVay not overcome that? Right? I mean, he's played (laughs) against, he knows exactly what they're going to do. How can he not overcome that as one of the best offensive minds? But... Um, he hasn't. And until he does, I, I, I just refuse to take the Rams. I got burnt. I mean, I got killed by it. Uh, I think, what was it? Uh, week four or five. And, and it, it was so frustrating because it was a game where the Rams easily could have won and covered. They just played so poorly. Their offense was so, oh my God, anemic And I, I mean, I, I'm just not gonna. I'm not gonna do it. I will not fall for it. You shouldn't. And it. And if the Rams win this game by whatever and cover the spread, fine. It is what it is. But I'm, I'm not gonna fall for the trap. Going with the 49ers. Yeah,
0: I'm not. I any team that has a pulse on the defensive side of the ball, they're gonna beat the Rams. The Rams' offense is, like you said, it's anemic. They have no identity right now. They can't run the football. Matthew Stafford has. Played his literal worst season of his career. He leads the league in turnovers uh, and turnover where he plays, I believe. Um, he has been just absolutely awful in every sense of the word. Uh, Cooper Cup has been the one saving grace of that team. Uh, the defense hasn't even looked that good. Like, it just, because it's a defense that doesn't have a ton of depth. You know, mm-hmm. we've talked about the Browns, uh, in private, me and you about, you know, they have a bunch of names, yeah. but they're, they're just not deep enough to be, you know, a consistent defense. That's how the Rams are. They got, the, they got the names. If you go like, look on paper, Bobby Wagner, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, Leonard Floyd, yep. like, wait, how aren't they good? Well, it's because they have a bunch of nobodies playing those other positions. Yep. It's it, they, the way they constructed their roster. It just can't work if they aren't good on both sides of the ball. And right now they're not, um, Plus, I think the addition of Christian McCaffrey it makes that 49ers offense that much more dynamic. When I mean, you talk about having to match up with Debo and Christian, it both being able to play, uh, you know, running back and wide receiver. I mean, think it, it it creates a world of problems. The question is, can Jimmy G you know, take advantage of that? Because I, I, Kyle Shanahan will be able to draw things up for him. It's going to be about whether or not they're executed. In this game, I really don't care because I think the 49ers are going to score a defensive touchdown. They're going to win this game pretty easily. I mean. It, Just look at the record. I know it's just it's just it seems like kind of a cop out, but like
1: like, yeah, like too easy only. It's
0: but it's like look at it. Kyle Shanahan in the regular season has owned Sean McFay. Yeah, it's frustrating. Next game, Giants at Seahawks. The only game that has two teams with a winning record facing off against each other. The Giants are six and one, the Seahawks are four and three, leading the NFC West. How about that? Seahawks are three point favorites at home. Obert.
1: I like the Seahawks. Um I think this game, really the only thing that matters is which team do you think is more real? My gut tells me today, this was another tough game, but my gut tells me today it's the Seahawks. I just just think so. I think it's close, but I think the Seahawks are just slightly more real. I don't even know what that means. I don't know (laughs) if that means the Seahawks are going to make the playoffs or if the Giants are. I think the Giants probably have a better chance of making the playoffs. I disagree just being 6-1, and one, two games ahead of this. Oh, I get what you're saying. Um, but I think the There's Seahawks...
0: There's no other wildcard teams that are, are going to challenge yeah, them like, as of now.
1: It, it, I don't know. We'll see. But, I mean, with that two-game advantage, it just yeah. helps them so much. But like I said, I believe the Seahawks are slightly more real than the Giants. I think Pete Carroll is a great coach. And with Russell Wilson being as poor as he's been with Denver, you almost have to think... Was he the driving force of that dynasty? Or I no. guess, you know, mini... Russ, Russ wasn't. Absolutely dynasty. not. Um, so, it was the defense. Yeah. Um, so I, I think the Seattle team, they just have a good core and leadership and energy. So did the Giants, and I get that, and they won a lot of close games. But I just think they're going... Like, so many times i picked the Giants, and I think Vegas has been short on the Giants... When they've been at home and it's like, oh, yeah, the, the culture will help them out and it'll be a culture win for them because, you know, they got the right coach and the players are buying into the system, all that. They're going on the road to Seattle, yeah. and a tough place to play against a team that, uh, at least for now, appears to be real. They could fall apart down the stretch. But as of right now, this team looks to be good. And I think it'll just be tough for them. Yep. I, I don't, I think Jacksonville last week they had enough to win that game because of, like I said, buy-in, coach, you know, uh, kind of in the honeymoon stage there, don't have any expectations, nothing to lose. But it's like now you're going to a team pretty real on the road, 12-man. Yeah. I just think the Seahawks have enough to get it
0: done. The the Giants, my problem with the Giants is they've won too many close games that it's like we, we're going to sit here at the end of the season. It's like if you just take half of those and, and flip them the other way, give them to the other team, the Giants are sitting here and they're like – they're going to have seven wins. I
1: do think there's something to be said about the way that they've come from behind. Well,
0: I'm not saying, I'm not saying it's not impressive. I'm just saying that in the NFL to have that type of luck is, is something that is a special, makes a special season. Like when you talk about uh, the chargers and and this was my big thing with them, uh, why I thought they were going to turn the corner eventually was they, they would lose like eight, one score games every single season. (laughs) It was like, you can't keep doing that. It is statistically not possible. Yet not probable. Not probable. Yet they have done it. It's unbelievable. With that being said, I think the Giants' fairy tale co- finally comes to a, a, a crash a little bit. A halt yeah. is probably a better way to say it. Um, they are not a 6-1 team. I've talked about it. They've won a lot of games where they weren't the better team for three quarters, but they are a fantastic fourth quarter team. They find a way to win games. They're like Oklahoma State. Mm. It's like Brian David's got those guys playing hard. The only problem is... The way the Seahawks are playing right now, the defense is, is finding its footing. They're young. They're fast. They're energetic. And the offense, yes, they lost DK. They probably won't have DK Metcalf this game. Kenneth Walker looks fantastic. We yeah, knew that. We knew he was going to. They still have Tyler Lockett. Marquise Goodwin had the game of his life. He had two touchdowns in, in, in I believe, over 100 yards. He's fantastic. The offensive line which was, used to be a huge problem, has looked great. Eke McQuannu, what a pickup that was. I mean, he looks like the best tackle so far out of that class. Um, Charles
1: Cross looks pretty good.
0: I don't know. E- Eke has been, has been fantastic. Um, and then you look at the Giants offense. It's Saquon Barkley, and they don't have anything else. They're out Daniel Bellinger, or Bellinger, who, who has a gash on oh, his eye, which fractured, he, fractured eye, socket. eye socket. That's right. He might not play the rest of the year. It's it's, it's bad. Crazy. Kenny Galladay and Kadarius Tony aren't being used. Wondell Robinson is probably their number one wide receiver. Uh, their number one wide receiver, actually, is David Sills. Come on. <laughs> Former West Virginia legend. Um, I, I just don't think Saquon Barkley is going to be able to carry this team week in, week out. Daniel Jones has had, uh, I think he, the past four weeks, he's been top five in QBR. Mm. um fantastic for Daniel Jones. I think that's more so on Brian Dable, putting him in, in, in a position to succeed. I think the Seahawks are, are, are just a better team. Um, you know, despite the records. I think they're come out gonna come out of this with the win at home. The Giants having to travel across the three different time zones. I think it's gonna I think it's gonna be I think this is their first time playing out West this season. I think that could Eventually. be I think that could be a uh, a little bit of a rude awakening uh for some of the guys on that team. So I'm going to go with the Seahawks. Next game, Sunday Night Football. The three and four Packers traveling to Buffalo to take on the six and no, five and one Buffalo Bills yeah. off of a bye. Yep, yeah. 11 and five are the Bills. Or, I mean, not 11 and five. 11 and a half, and a half point favorites are the Bills at home. Over. What do you think?
1: Uh, I have the Packers. This one so feels like a trap. And and I want to make myself clear. I am not taking this game because, or taking the Packers, because I think they are going to turn the corner and figure it out. Uh, Quite honestly, I think this team has so little energy right now and so little optimism and feels like, oh, well, man, if we just do this and that, then we'll be right there. No, I don't think so. I think this is a team that is absolutely deflated, dejected. All of that is true. But oh, it's, it's just so hard for me to take the bills 11 and a half I, I just I close my eyes and I just don't I, I just can't really picture the Packers getting absolutely stomped in this game and as much as the Packers have struggled, their last three losses they're obviously on a three game losing streak have all been very close and games they've been up and probably should have won. I'm not saying the Packers are going to win this game. they won't but what I am saying is, I think they can keep it competitive. And I think they can at least keep it to 10 points or less. They've done so well in the first two and three quarters of games against the Giants, against the Commanders. Um, And so it's just so hard for me to say Buffalo's going to come in here and, you know, smoke them. I think the only... I do see a possibility where Buffalo comes into this game coming off of a bye, has so much energy on Sunday Night Football, and literally wins this game like they did against the Titans, like 42-10, to 10. and like it gets so bad, like the Packers think about firing Matt LaFleur. But my gut tells me this is more of the 24-20 game against the Chiefs or the Dolphins game where it was, you know, not, I don't think the Packers win, but... You know what I mean. It's close. The Packers run the ball. They say, all right, we're probably not as good as the Bills. Let's try and ugly up this game. And I think, you know, I'm kind of searching for a comp for it. I think the comp is Cardinals-Packers last year, or at least that's the blueprint for how the the Packers are going to attack this game. We know that it's prime time. We don't have the energy that the other team does. We know they're fantastic. Let's make this an uglier, low-scoring, run-the-football sort of game. And I hope they finally do it. They haven't done it much this year, but against the Bills. I was going to say that would be
0: a great idea if Matt LaFleur actually decided to run the football. (laughs) Knowing Um, how
1: good Josh Allen is in that offense is, they'll want to keep him off the field. (laughs) And I'll say that's what they do, and this is a 10-point Buffalo win. But it was close and hard for me.
0: The Bills are winning this game by 28 points. Um, The Packers' reward for losing to the Commanders in Washington is getting to go and play Buffalo in Buffalo in primetime coming off of a bye. This is the perfect storm for the Packers to get absolutely boat raced. When you talk about their last three weeks, it was a two point loss to the Washington Commanders, who we both thought were dead in the water uh, a couple weeks ago. It was a seventeen point loss to the New York the New York Football Jets, who are.
1: Oh, was it a seventeen point loss? Yeah. yeah, I forgot
0: about that. They're five and two. Yes, or are they six and two now? They're five and two? Five and yeah, because this is week eight. They're five and two. Are they a five and two team? Probably not with, without Brees Hall. They had Brees Hall in that game. They were able to win convincingly. And then a five-point loss uh, to the Giants, in which they were up twenty to seven. I believe was yep. the was the so they scored. No, that can't be right because they only did they get a safety. Yeah, oh, they did. I think, uh, the oh, Giants they did. Yeah, the uh, then, that but. is right. Where the only points they scored in the second half was a safety. Yeah, like and, that was a gift, and it was a gift. I don't think this Packers team is good. I, I I'm going to make the claim that they aren't making the playoffs. Like I, I they're not going to turn this around. I legitimately think after what I saw from the Bears that the Bears could finish higher than the Packers. Like I think there is a good shot. Meanwhile, the Bills are coming off of a off of a buy. You mentioned the the uh, the Chiefs game, the Dolphins game. The only difference is those teams actually are good. Um, The Packers are not. They they don't have a pulse offensively. Defensively, their talent hasn't played like. And I think a lot of it is because Joe Barry is an idiot. At least that's what I see. My Packers. a Packers friends saying my, the people I follow on Twitter that are Packers fans they hate Joe Barry they think he is one of the worst defensive uh, uh, coordinators in football um, offensively obviously they have nobody to catch the football they're out I think Alan Lazard Ryan, Randall Cobb, I think their their number one right now he is Romeo Dobbs. I don't think Christian Watson's going to play. and Romeo Dobbs can't catch a football to save his life. Yeah. Um, Robert Tunyon can't uh, is is not the Robert Tunyon of last year. Uh, he's just not going to put up that kind of production. And you talk about their backfield, they haven't ran the football. They literally have not used Aaron Jones or AJ Dillon. And even when they have tried to run the ball, AJ Dillon's not getting any carries anymore. It is strictly Aaron Jones. And I think I think he maybe let's go let's go look at the. Uh, like a marriage game, how many times did he run the football? Oh, I had it. There it is. He ran the ball eight times. Yeah, that is but unacceptable. He was fantastic in that. receiving He, he game. did have nine catches for two touchdowns. You're not going to be able to do that against the Bills. You're just not. Um, you can't be one dimensional like that. Uh, meanwhile, the Bills can absolutely be one dimensional. They will dice up that that uh, Packers secondary. I don't know if Rashawn Gary is going to play either, which would be huge. He's their best pass rusher. Um, I just think it's a perfect recipe for the Bills to absolutely wallop the Packers. Locke?
1: Who do I have here? Okay. Uh, Texans at Titans, Titans minus two. Um, I think there's a lot of negative energy about the Titans right now, and rightfully so, or at least. I'm putting a lot of that out into the world. Yeah. Everybody is, though. It, It just feels like the consensus is on the Titans, and we do this every year through the first five or six games, they don't look good. They don't look great. And it's
0: Yeah, but then they get to the playoffs and they still don't look great.
1: Well, last year in the playoffs they almost beat the eventual AFC champion, probably had the best chance of anybody to beat that team. The year before I mean Yeah, but they were the one seed. Yeah, and
0: they 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 looked very, very bad.
1: I didn't think they were. They right put up there. seventeen points. I get that and lost the game by three. That defense was fantastic. Or 16 points. My my point being this, and this is the important part about the Titans, we value and think about the passing game and the offense in general so much that when teams aren't great at it and we see it with the Cowboys right now, we say, okay, that team's not very good. Or, oh, they don't look very good. They've gotten, oh, blah, 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 blah. Because offense sticks in our mind way more than defense does. The passing game sticks in our mind way more than defense does. Let me say this. The Titans overall as a team. When has Tannehill ever been fantastic? When has he ever been twenty twenty? Yeah, and even then, I mean, he was kind of meh. I mean, last year he wasn't very good. They made the one seed, right? So, like, it's true. My point being, yes, Tannehill's not a great player. Yes, you know, the passing attack isn't very good. <laughs> I don't think it needs to be. Um, and and that's the reason why I'm going on this tangent is because they're only two point favorites against the Texans. I think there's a lot of this right now in the media. I think there's a lot of this uh, from the fans. And um, some of it's valid. I think some of it's valid. Like the Titans, their ceiling isn't as high as any other, you know, division leader out there right now. Why? They don't have the passing attack and you need it. You need it to win a Super Bowl. But to beat the Texans by more than two, you don't. You don't need it. Let's be frank. And Tannehill, what will he give you? I don't know. I don't really care because I know the nature of this Titans team. And, you know, I know how good they can be. i think I had it wrong on the graphic. It's that the Texans
0: don't really care. Oh, I, I, um, I love the Texans in that. Give me the <laughs> <laughs> uh, As,
1: as you're under. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to take the Titans minus two. I think they're undervalued
0: right now. I don't. Um, I know. And that's But fine. I do think they should win this game.
1: And I think they'll win this game
0: by 10. I think they'll win it by one. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, in all seriousness, they probably win this game by three. I don't think they're a very good team. Um, Why not? Beat the Colts by seven. Beat the Commanders by four. Beat the Colts again by nine. They beat three bad teams. Yeah. Wait, what do you want from me? Colts are five hundred. The Colts are not a good team. Don't tell me the Colts that they're are five hundred. They just benched their quarterback for a guy who's never started a game. They're not a good team. I don't want to hear that. Three and one with a win
1: over the Chiefs. Are we kind of undervaluing the Colts? No. Who knows? That
0: Chiefs game was the biggest fluke because Skymore doesn't know how to field the punt.
1: They're three and one. Other than games against the Titans, I don't know. They're not a
0: good team. They're not a good team. But I mean,
1: hey, listen. A lot of the lion's share of teams' wins come over teams that aren't
0: very good. No, the Colts aren't good though. I when you watch a Colts game, can you tell me that they're good at football?
1: I think they're probably an eight and eight, eight and nine sort of team. I think they win.
0: I how many wins do they have right now? Three. Three They win for the rest of the season. They go seven and seven ten and one or seven nine and one. They're
1: not a great team. Are the Titans? I think they're a pretty good
0: team. Um, I'm, my lock is going to be the Raiders at the Saints. Uh, I think the Saints are reeling right now, and I think the Raiders are playing their best ball. Um, a fantastic win over the Texans, coming off of a bye. They looked really good. Josh McDaniels looks like he's found his groove. What is that groove? It's riding Josh Jacobs. He has been unbelievable these past his past three games. Going over 150 yards in each of those games. I think he's had at least two touchdowns, too. He's been the ultimate fantasy running back. Um, you've had him on your team, so you know he's been unbelievable. And this Saints team, I already just I just said it. They give up, you know, obviously two pick sixes, but forty some odd points to the to the Cardinals. That offense looked really good. Uh, Derek Carr and Devontae Adams look like they're finding finally finding their 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 uh connection a little bit mm-hmm. all you have to do is give the ball to Josh Jacobs So seriously I mean he's been unbelievable I think the Raiders can win this game by a touchdown so
1: underdogs um I think it's kind of a similar point I made with the Titans I'm taking the Jets we're still low on the Jets because they're not the flashy team that we value so much and you know for some good reason it's drifting more towards a passing league but you can win this way we've seen it before I said it I think we Three or week four after the Jets beat somebody, I don't know who, but I said the Jets are very similar to the Titans. And a lot of us are saying, oh, well, they're not real because Zach Wilson isn't getting a lot of throws and he's not throwing the ball down the field, blah, blah, blah. blah, blah. I get that. I understand that. And I thought that the Brees Hall loss for them will loom very large, and I think that hurts them the rest of the season. But I think nine times out of 10, 99 times out of 100, the running... Or the O-line is more important than the running back. And, and I they think, just lost Elijah Vera Tucker. Oh, yeah, that one's not great either, but I don't know. I don't know how huge he was for this offense. He's He was yeah. pretty important. Eh, offensive guard,
0: not too worried about it. Um, <laughs> you just said that they're most the most important. Come on, Overt. They are. They are a
1: fantastic O-line. Elijah Vera Tucker was out. They still looked good without him. Listen. it's
0: um, because they still had Brisson, and then they didn't.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, listen, running backs are replaceable. It goes uh, to my point.
0: Yeah, but I don't know if the guys they have... Equal Brees Hall. James the production. Robinson. Yeah, I don't know if they equal the production that Brees Hall gave him.
1: Um, we'll see. I think we would be surprised. Derrick Henry goes down for the Titans. My big thing was, let's pump the brakes. He's replaceable. I still think the same's true with Brees Hall, although I like Brees Hall and I think it hurts them because, yes, all running backs are replaceable and I was about to get to this. But when you have a dynamic younger player like this who probably would have had a huge year, it hurts and I think it will hurt them. Throughout the season, my, one of my takeaways was going to be that you know Sunday was an overall negative for him, but and and I think a lot of people are going to go Patriots because defensive minded coach
0: beats you
1: know the up and coming offensive team. But also well, they're this, not
0: an offensive team. That's the crazy thing is Robert Sala yeah, defensive beats, mind.
1: beats a team that is having you know uh, you know success offensively, and I'll say this though, I don't think the Jets are comparable to those other young offensive teams that the Patriots have had success with. I think they're comparable to the Titans. Like I said earlier in the year, they're a, you know, run heavy team that doesn't throw the football a lot, doesn't ask their quarterback to do a lot and focuses on their defense. So it's not the same as all the other teams that Belichick typically owns yeah. at this point and in I the I also season. think
0: you're catching the Patriots at the right time.
1: Yeah, who are in a very weird spot uh quarterback wise. We all know how well the Titans do against the Patriots. I think it's going to be the same with the Jets. We'll see how it finishes. But um, I love the Jets' identity. I think they're very similar to the Titans. And I think they can make some noise going forward. Uh, they're just the classic change-up to what the typical fastball is yeah. in today's NFL. Yep.
0: Um, I'm going with the Commanders plus three at the Colts. Um, and it's pretty simple. Uh, you just took, yes, Matt Ryan wasn't good. But I would have to believe that he's better than Sam Ellinger otherwise he wouldn't be playing, you know, into week seven. If if in practice, Sam Ellinger looks like the better quarterback, he wouldn't be, Matt Ryan wouldn't be starting. I mean, when you talk about a team that had aspirations to win the division, they're not going to wait until halfway through the season to make that change if they legitimately think that Ellinger is a better quarterback, even though they paid Matt Ryan and traded a pick. On the other side, I think... I think the move or I think Carson Wentz getting hurt actually made the commanders better. I think Taylor Heineke fits that system better than Carson Wentz does. He is mobile. He's athletic. He's kind of a gunslinger. He puts the ball in harm's way, but we saw it work against the Packers. I mean, when you have guys like Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel who can get open, I feel like you can't have a guy like Carson Wentz who who, who just kind of sticks in the pocket and, and doesn't make Great throws, I mean, if we're being honest. Taylor Heineke is going to have a bad couple drives, if not a bad quarter, if not a bad half. That was what he did against Green Bay. He looked really, really off in the first half. The second half, he looked like he could have possibly been a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. I mean, it was like, it was like, where are these throws coming from? He's breaking out of the pocket. I think that Vegas it, it, it thinks that the Colts are a better team than they are. I don't know how, I mean, it really is just home field advantage at this point. The Colts are at home, three points. Um, Even still, I think the Commanders should have been like one and a half point dogs instead of, or even two instead of three points. I just think that they're finding their stride right now. They weren't a good team for the first couple weeks of the season simply because they looked offensively lost. Um, They didn't, like, Terry McLaurin wasn't getting involved. This past week, Terry McLaurin got involved, and, and good things happened. Now, I will say that Brian Robinson hasn't looked nearly as good as I thought he was. But for whatever reason, Antonio Gibson hasn't lost a step. I'm really confused. Like you, you talked about it. Uh, what was it? The Thursday night game? Yeah, it was a Thursday night game. You were like, "What are we? What is going on here?" And just and and I was like, I was like, "Oh, you're just overreacting." And then I watched the game against the Packers, or I watched you know the second half against the Packers, and I was like. You know, I thought that if he had one week to warm up, it would, it would be okay. He would be better. I'm not seeing it. So I do think that's a little get bit shot. weird.
1: Right. He did get shot <laughs> several times. That <laughs> is true. So, yeah. I mean, we'll see. Um,
0: but at the end of the day, I think the commanders are just a better team than the Colts, so I'm going to take them to win. I, I, I desperately need to hit some of these. I don't know. Yep. You good? Yep. Thank you guys so much for watching. We hope you enjoyed that episode. Catch you on the flip. See ya.